Well, um, it's only been it's been just we've had some worship and Tali has shared and I already am mind blown. And you might not necessarily know why. Because God has just said the same thing over and over again. And you you don't know what I'm gonna teach on, but I know what I'm gonna teach on. <coughs> and funny thou is God's faithfulness. That's strange. Crazy. Absolutely amazing. We were singing that song, and I was like, wow, this is the perfect song to sing before we go to where we're going to go. And then Talia is talking and a living witness of God's faithfulness. And now we're going to look at God's faithfulness to his people. And really what we're going to look at is quickly, and we won't be long here, so please stay with me. Um, we're going to look at uh, really a story of God's love and God's faithfulness for his people. Now this is uh, the sto a story in the Bible, the story of a prophet, one who lived in the northern kingdom of Israel, and he was called to speak to God's people in one of the worst times in Israel's history, under one of the worst kings in Israel's history. And really it's a story of brokenness, a, a broken family, broken marriage, and really a broken heart. So I want to I want to share with you a story about a man, Hosea. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the first chapter of Hosea, and we're going to read through this first chapter, and we are going to read through some of the some of this text. And really, what I want to do is is highlight God's faithfulness and God's love for His people. The context of this is obviously God's people. Israel, the Jews, but we know that God's heart and God's love and God's faithfulness extends to us. And as you guys go back home today, I want to encourage you with this story. So we're going to read the first chapter, and I want you to follow along, okay? It says, the word of the Lord which came to Hosea, the son of Barry, during the days of Uzzah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah, during the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. That's a different Jotham, guys. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take yourself a wife of harlotry and have children of harlotry. For the land commits fragrant harlotry forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblam, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, Name him Jezreel. For yet a little while, and I will punish the house of Jehu with the bloodshed of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. On that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. Then she conceived again and gave birth to a daughter, and the Lord said to him, Name her Lo-Ruhamah, for I will no longer have compassion on the house of Israel that I would ever forgive them. But I will have compassion on the house of Judah and deliver them by the Lord their God and will not deliver them by the bow, sword, by bow, sword, battle, horses, or horsemen. And when she had uh, weaned Lo-Ruhamah, she conceived and gave birth to a son. And the Lord said, Name him Lo-Ami, for you are not my people and I am not your God. 
Yet the number of the sons of Israel will be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it has said to them, you are not my people, I, it will be said to them, you are the sons of the living God. And the sons of Judah and the sons of Israel will be gathered together and they will appoint for themselves one leader. And they will go up from the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. Say to your brethren, your brothers, Ami, and to your sisters, Ruhamah. Okay, so here we have the story of a man named Hosea. His name means salvation. He was a young prophet, and he's told by God to go and marry and love a woman who is unfaithful, one of harlotry. She was a prostitute. Her name is Gomer. The name means complete. And we see here from this first chapter, they have three children. One, they said, call his name Jezreel. That's in verses 3 and 5. That name means God sows, God scatters. Jezreel was a place of bloodshed, brutality, where men were slaughtered. And if you can imagine this man, Hosea, the prophet, being married to, to Gomer, they have this kid called Jezreel. People would have known the significance of Jezreel, where there was bloodshed, there was brokenness, there was brutality, and Hosea would speak out the name of his child, and people would be like, whoa, why would you name your child that? It was God's name for his child. The second child, Lohu Ruhamah, no, means no mercy. God would show his people no mercy when Assyria would come in and judge them. And lastly, his third child was Loami, means not my people. This was a simple statement of the way that they had rejected him. Now this was a very sad family story. <laughs> a broken family, a broken marriage. But there is a greater story here. Can you two stop playing with all these things? Because it's very distracting. Thank you. This was a picture, a picture of God's relationship to his people, Israel. This was a real man loving a real woman, and they had kids. But it was a picture. God was teaching his people something. And this, was the relation, this, and this relationship gives us a view of what it would have been like in Hosea's day, what it was like in Israel. But even today, in regards to his people, the Jews, Israel, they're scattered. No one shows them mercy. Yet God has established an everlasting covenant with his people, and he will not abandon his people. We see that throughout the scriptures, God has been faithful. Go all the way back to the very beginning. Talia was reading from Deuteronomy. We know in those times that God brought his people out of slavery into the promised land. He made a covenant with them. They took the abundance of what God gave them and they used it to worship other gods. They broke the commandments that God gave them. They worshiped other gods. They trusted in political alliances with other nations. And throughout this book in, of Hosea, if you read it all, it goes between this story of Hosea, his wife, and his kids, and God speaking to his people 
regarding his relationship with them. And Hosea gives a history lesson of God's faithfulness and man's unfaithfulness. He talks about Saul being appointed king and his sin from the book of 1 Samuel. Jacob lying to his father in Genesis and Israel's rebellion over and over and over again in the wilderness. Now you think about it here. God could break his promise to his people. Does he? No. We've sung regarding God's promises. He is faithful. And even when man is unfaithful, God continues to be faithful and he continues to pursue us only because of his love and faithfulness towards us. Yes, there's consequences for our rejection, for our sin. And we see here in the history that Israel is judged by the nation of Syria through God. But God's love and his mercy are more powerful than Israel's sin. In Hosea 1, 10 to verse, the first verse of chapter 2, we see that the, the Jews are, are, the people are scattered. No mercy will be shown. They will not be my people. But we see that God intervenes. We see that statement throughout all of Scripture. But God. We sin. We were lost. But God. And not because of Israel's righteousness or their ability to do things right. And it's the same with you and me. Israel got it wrong so much of the time. As do we. But God made a covenant promise, and he will not break his promise. Now let's jump to chapter 3 of Hosea, and we're going to read this short chapter. It says in verse 1, Then the Lord said to me, this is the Lord speaking to Hosea, Go again, love a woman who is loved by her husband, yet an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the sons of Israel though they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes. So I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a half of barley. Then I said to her, you shall stay with me for many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. So I will also be toward you. For the sons of Israel will remain for many days without a king or a prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, and without ephod and household idols. Afterward, the sons of Israel will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they will come trembling to the Lord and to his goodness in the last days. So here we see that God tells Hosea, go again and find your wife. She's gone. Gomer has gone missing. She's gone off and left her husband. There are three children. She's gone to other men. She's gone to be with her lovers. And the Lord tells Hosea, go and find her. Can you imagine the situation? Like, think about this. You're a man, you have your three kids. <laughs> your wife has been missing for weeks. You don't know where she's been. He doesn't know where she is, really. 
And God says, go find her. He doesn't say, go, just go find her. He says, go find her and love her. How do you, you're probably thinking, this is not reasonable. <laughs> Nor is this logical. Why would Hosea love this woman? Why would he ever love this woman? She's been unfaithful over and over. When he loves her unconditionally, she leaves and she goes to find love in other places. However, here we aren't dealing with the love that we can give. Yes, Hosea was a man and no doubt his love wasn't perfect. But what God had called Hosea to do was a picture to speak of his love for his people who had been unfaithful over and over again and God still always loved them. We're not dealing with this human love that we have, but we're dealing with divine self-sacrificial love of God. And the love of God has reasons to love us when we in our minds of our understanding of love cannot rationalize those things. And here Hosea in the calling, imagine, we may be blessed with the calling we have on our life. This was Hosea's calling. That's rough. But God wanted to use him to demonstrate his love for his people. You may say this is not a right. This is not fair. And I agree. And we can often get frustrated thinking about this situation. Thinking this poor man, how unfortunate. How sad. But would you first stop and think that we have all played Gomer's part? We have all received everything from God and yet we find ourselves going to other things. We go to other things that will satisfy us to find love. Some of you in this room think that you love another person. Teenagers, oh my gosh. <laughs> so cute. It's not love, guys. <laughs> love goes beyond. You know love is a verb not a noun. Love is an action word. And I would always tell you, this is my relationship advice, is first figure out how to love God and how to receive his love before you ever try to love anyone else. Because you are going to destroy it. You're going to wreck it. Because we are sinful. And when you put another sinful person together with two sinful people, it's just sin, 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 selfish, 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 it's hard to love. We can only love someone if we are first loved. And you can ask everyone who's married in this room those things and they will explain to you that it's not easy. And no doubt Hosea had to work through these things. How can this work that Hosea would go and find his wife and love her again when she has constantly left him alone? to find love in other places. But we do that with God. 
whether it's we find love or satisfaction in someone else by the things that we're doing. But God in his love will continually love us despite us. This picture here in Hosea 3, she has gone to be with another lover and, and, and um, Hosea is told, go find her. He goes and he finds her. And we see here that it says, so I bought her back for myself for 15 shekels of silver, a homer and half a barley. This is the idea of redemption. What you would not do for me of your own free will, do now because you're a purchased possession. God bought us at a price. And the price was his blood, his life. You are not your own. Do you understand that? Teenagers are like the best at believing that you are your own. I decide. I have a say. This is me. That's our world today, right? And I'm not making a joke here, but people will identify and choose whatever they want to be because I decide. I have the power. It is my decision. No, it is not. <laughs> we are bought at a price. You deserve nothing. Death. This woman, she was with other lovers. No doubt she wasn't satisfied. And what? She was probably going to just be sold at a market for nothing. But what does this man do? His call was go and buy her back. We were separated from God. There was no hope for us. But God in his love has bought us back. We are not our own, we are bought at a price. And this is the story over and over in the Bible that God continues to pursue man and seek a relationship with man. And we continue to do our own thing. Over and over we go to other things. And eventually this led to his, God's own people putting Jesus on a cross. We see in the book of Judges, they sinned. They said, oh, we need help. God in his faithfulness brought a judge who helped them, delivered them. And what happened? They sinned. They left God because they were all happy and had what they want. Oh, we need help. So God in his faithfulness brought a judge, another judge, and helped them, delivered them. Then what happened? They sinned. We need help. How many times does that happen? But how many times do we do that? We fail God. We sin. And we're like, God, I'm really, really sorry. And then God forgives us. He loves us. He's faithful. Then as soon as we get into the comfortable zone, then it's the same cycle over and over again. This is the story of the Bible eventually leading to the cross where God's own people hung their Messiah who they were waiting for on a cross. But it was then that God loved us the most, gave us life. He hung himself on a cross, he died, he shed his blood, and through the, his shedding of blood, we have remission of sin. In 1 Peter 1.18, it says, Knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold for your aimless conduct received by tradition 
from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We are set free by the costly sacrifice of Christ on the cross. And there is nothing that you can do now to make him love you more because there is actually nothing in the first place that you did to make him love you. He loved you because he loved you. He went to the cross because he loved you, not because you were worthy of it. So my encouragement to you is don't take this as a, man, I'm a terrible person. I mean, at the end of the day, we really are. I mean, you know yourself. You may think you're made of good stuff. I'm a good person. I'm all right. Sin is sin, and sin leads to death. We are not good of our own. And if that's a reality check today, then take that. <laughs> but you may know, I'm not good. And that does not ever mean need to lead to the point where we beat ourselves up because we are not good people. What is that supposed to do is show us that we are not enough and that we cannot match the mark. So what do we need? We need a Savior. We need someone who can help us. And that is Jesus. we can then offer ourselves as a sacrifice because he has given that opportunity. So as we close here, I just want to really highlight a few things. I want you to take this story and, and think about it. Think about everything we've talked about this weekend. This is a story of a man who had a broken marriage, a broken family, and God used him to speak to his people regarding God's love and his faithfulness for Israel. I love you, despite you running away to do your own thing. I love you, despite you putting me on a cross. I love you, despite you going to other gods. I love you, despite you just being apathetic or tired. Any of those things. He is faithful, he is faithful, he is faithful. And he wants us to love him in return. And this is what this whole weekend is about. This weekend was not about trying to make you feel bad because we are nothing. And God is so good and perfect. And it's like, oh, well, lucky you. That's not what it was about. What this weekend was about is that when we say God loves us or we love God, that is just something that we say and think. I want you to truly understand that. And that's what I think has been done through everything that has been shared. We have seen and heard and experienced the love of God. And then when we do that, we have this freedom to love God back. Knowing that we can't of ourselves love God, but because of everything he has done for us, we can walk in his love. And through that, there is a freedom, there is a self-abandonment that we can love him in return. So if there's anything you take away from this weekend is meditate and experience and rest in God's love. That is the first step. We cannot love him by ourselves. Gomer could not love her husband by herself. 
But when we experience God's love, no doubt Hosea going out every time to find his wife. Where is she gone tonight? I'll bring her back. I'll buy her back. I'll take her back. And everyone looks at her as like she's the filth of the earth. I'll take her back. I will love her again. It doesn't matter what she's done. I will love her. That is what God sees for us. There is nothing, and I tell you guys this every time, there is nothing that you can do or that you have done that can ever stop God loving you. Forget what your parents say. Forget what people say. Forget what the world says. And I'm, quote, I'm holding you to this. Take these comments in context, please. Because some of you are known for taking my comments out of context. You must always obey your parents. But what God says you are is the truth. And you are his purchased possession paid by the highest price, his blood, that you can then be redeemed and restored to him. That's what it's about. Not that God loves you because you are you, although some of you are pretty cool. But he loves you because who he is. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us and while that we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even in that state, Christ died for you. I don't understand this love. How can someone love someone that much? But he does love you. And it doesn't matter what you've done, what you will do, what you are doing. He has demonstrated that love in the sending of his son. And Hosea was a man who was called to love a woman who was unfaithful so God could tell his people how much he loved them. As we pray now, God is faithful and God loves you. Hold on to those things. Hold, grasp them so hard in your palms and never let go. <laughs> because when you walk out back into that world, into, the, into school, into... Um, the crazy world that we love in, live in, people are telling us this is how you find love. This is how you are worth it. Whatever you say is whatever it is. That's lies. Do not listen to the lies. Listen to the truth. Okay? This, don't ever let this go. Let anything else go in this world, but not this. Not your relationship with the Lord. God loves you guys so much. I mean, I find it funny sometimes because I sometimes experience, I have a heart and love for people, which I go, I don't know why I love them sometimes they can be difficult or hard to love but I really truly love you guys and some of you may say that's really funny you just known me four days we don't love of our own love we love because God loves you 
and we have been blessed, so blessed, to spend four days with you, getting to be a vessel that would outpour God's love upon your life. And so know that God loves you, but know that we also love you. We give our time and a lot of other things to be here, to spend this because we believe in you. We believe that God has so much for you. We want you to know these things. We want you to walk in these things. And there may be things that you could do that maybe might taint our love or make it hard for us to love you because I'm not perfect. Everyone here, we're not perfect. But God, he's always going to love you. And God sees what we see, God more than what we see. God knows the inner depths of our hearts. Everyone here might just see the outside you or the you that you decided to show at Cultivate 2021. That's what we see because we don't have those eyes to see the depths of man's heart. But God does, and he still went to the cross. So just let those things sit in your mind. Let's pray together, and then we will um, have a break for a little bit. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, for this weekend. I thank you. Uh, we want to just thank you for your love, Lord, that you went to Calvary, and it was your choice, Lord. And you were submitted to the Father's will, and you gave your life for us that we might have life and life abundantly. I thank you that you love us even when we get distracted, Lord. Maybe we go to find love in other places or we, we find ourselves in a mess. Lord, I thank you even if we are hurt or broken or in one sense damaged goods, you still love us. And I thank you that you see, you see us and you know us, Lord. So I pray that these things would settle in our minds and our hearts, Lord, as we go and hang out and fellowship with each other before we go home. I pray that as we drive home and as we even spend these next weeks, Lord, thinking about the things you've taught us, Lord, I pray that we would um, always go back to that truth, Lord, that we love you because you first loved us. I thank you that it was that way, that you first loved us, Lord, because we could never love you first. <laughs> We're unfaithful, and Lord, but you are always faithful and you are always good. So Lord, we thank you for your love. I pray that you would bless each one in this room. Challenge us, Lord. Heal us. Restore us, Lord. Um, we love you so much now and we just want to praise your name and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.